Welcome to Oregon Rooted. I'm Higher Peaks. And this is Lady Sativa. You're listening to The Dirt Show. Where we bring you Oregon's cannabis culture. This is Higher Peaks. And Lady Sativa. And welcome to episode 16. Here we are. Yes, yes, yes. And we have a special guest, or our special guest is Kenevere uh, once again, dropping some science. This time we have Anthony Smith, who started it all, mm-hmm. and Jason Wilson. Uh, Our usual. Yeah, Jason Wilson, the guy that uh, works so hard to bring us all this education Absolutely. And uh, wish I could join the seminars with you. I know, I know. Well, it's it's a lot of time too, though. I mean, yeah. it's working hard. Jason well, works and hard. It's and, on a Tuesday night, usually, and that's yeah, school night can't do too much on a school night. I so no, mama. And, <laughs> and I'll I'll just plug right now. Jason is holding, or at least Kenevere is holding their last um, for free the seminar, season right? free seminar for this season for this year. But there are there are seminars that you can still pay yeah, to go. Yeah, and he plugs that at the end, so yes. I'll, I'll let him I'll let him plug that. But yes. um, yeah, the last one is on October eighteenth at SOU, that's Southern Oregon University in Ashland. That's the chemistry of medicinal and toxic mushrooms. So I, nice. I'm I'm gonna enjoy that one. Yeah, he's gonna talk about everything, all kinds of mushrooms, including psilocybin and and the trippy nice. ones. But that'll be fun for you. But the whole deal, it will be. And um, I'm, I didn't, I don't remember if he said there's going to be anybody else there or if he's putting on that whole seminar. So I'm not sure. I believe he said that Anthony was going to be talking. Anthony was with, too. Yeah. With him. I'm not positive. Yeah. They, they, they say at the end of the um, interview that we yeah. did. But um, actually, if you guys are listening to Anthony and Jason, uh, you know, we didn't really get to hear much about Anthony's full background and story. We kind of moved, I kind of moved really quick through that interview to say the least. So I would like to maybe in the future, I'm sure he would too, would like to sit down and just, we can do a full interview where he can just tell us about himself, about himself, yes. where he came from and how, I mean, just let, just let him talk and let him tell us the whole story about right. that. Well, he, he did, he did seem interested about sitting down another time. Absolutely. So, so um, but we did move fast though, and I was really excited to have him sit down. I think I was overly excited. So I was, <laughs> was kind of cutting off and moving quick. So, but we'll, we'll get him sat down. Uh, anyway, so moving on, you know, the weather's been great here the last few it's days. Been back and forth. Yeah. But we've had rain, we've had 90 degrees. It's been Back and forth. Back and forth, but we only had like three days of rain, which I got through using um, ancient Nothing herbs. Nothing. The Formula One. To but cover it. Yeah. We got yeah. that in. Well, because now we're up for like almost like six days of rain. So if you're mm-hmm. in this, if you're actually in Oregon as a whole, I think you're going to be seeing 
tons of rain, tons of wind for the next like five to six days, depending on where you're at. So thank God we just got what we got. Yeah. Well, what I've seen is people talking on, on social media for Oregon anyway, they're talking either they're covered up or I'm going to tough it out. So we're going to cover it. Yeah. I don't think I can. (laughs) I don't want to risk it. I I don't want to risk it. Especially with the winds and stuff. Yes. And it's Oregon weather. I don't want to push it. So just as an idea for people out there, uh, an inexpensive idea is we found a, like a 10 by 20. It's a car, like a car canopy. It's like a car canopy. Yeah. But we're going to make our own. Well, yeah. Well, that's the thing. Here's the deal is. It's a really easy and good idea. First of all, the frame is metal. It's got supports to it. Yep. Uh, so it's really, and it's got big pads at the bottom so you can anchor it really good. Mm-hmm. And um, it was only 80 bucks. And so it also- On sale is, right now though. On sale. Well, that's what I'm saying is look for them on sale. And it's an easy idea because a lot of people do hoop houses, which are awesome. It's the same idea, except you just use metal, mm-hmm. right? And uh, you just, you can drape your plastic, whatever you want on that uh, the same way. Mm-hmm. And this one, I'm hoping, I think, is in two. Se- it is in two sections, but I believe that I should be able to use one ten foot section. Yeah, ten then, by ten, so we can just exactly because we don't have enough Hell to fill no. that whole thing. No, but I can still use it, you know, up front, mm-hmm. or you can. So to put the car, you know, we can use it for other purposes. Is what yeah. I'm saying, yeah. So just an idea I'm throwing out there for people that need an inexpensive way to cover. Uh, the sheeting, you know, is really cheap, like 10 to 20 bucks, depending on how big and how thick. Yeah. So, yeah. Which we still need to go get the sheeting. Yeah, but still. So just throwing that out there. Um, but that's what we're doing. We're doing there. And we're just going to use Form 1 like we've been, Formula 1, mm-hmm. like we've been doing, um, which has been just great. Our plants look great. They smell great. Yes. They keep getting stinkier. Oh, uh, they're, they're For whatever pretty. reason, they whatever reason, they just don't want to mature very quick where they're located. So I don't, you know, I don't know. It's... Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just going to let them mature. Yep. I'm in no rush. Mm -hmm. No rush. Especially when we get them covered. Me neither. Yeah. Let them spread their legs a little longer. I might actually take some of the smaller stuff off the bottoms now and just start making some live resin or my brother trip, make some live resin. Mm -hmm. Um, I remember him. Yeah. He'll, he'll make some live resin for me. Nice. Uh, that'll be fun. So maybe I'll do that. I don't know. But so... Let's see. Um, that, Formula One. Let's just go through our sponsors real quick. Remember, Vaporous, the pens we use. Yep. I got mine sitting right here. In fact, I'll pass it in a second after I hit it first. Yes, 25% off if you use Rooted on the website. Thank you. That's coupon code, Rooted, yes. on, on checkout. On the checkout. Yeah, 25%. That's huge. So check out the yeah. website at least. See if there's something there that you like because they do make other pins besides what we promoted. They got a cartridge pin, I believe, that... Um, it's refillable. Yes. Right. Yes. I that's do for have oils. that. Uh, so that's refillable. If you want to use your own flavors or mix concentrates with flavors, mm-hmm. stuff like that. Um, so that's an option. Uh, and, and there is other pins. There's like, I don't know, six or seven or eight on there. Mm-hmm. So you can check those out, but that, that coupon code covers everything. And then ancient herbs. Remember we are using that formula one. There's yep. a formula two for russet mites. That is a, what we found now is if you use that for russet mites, it does work good, but you got to reapply it. You know, you can't just blast them and have it nuked. Mm-hmm. You do have to reapply a few times. Just be aware of that. Although there is another option on there. He brought out a, if you go to ancientherbsinc.com, which is mm-hmm. his, his newest website, uh, it shows the new 
thing, the new light that that he made for russet mites. Oh, nice. Yeah, and it's like a the lightsaber is what he's <laughs> calling it. So check that out. Um, it's essentially a wand with a light that is a certain spectrum, mm-hmm. a specific spectrum. And you just literally uh, use it really close to your plant on the leaves and buds. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's a how-to on there, a video. But uh, essentially, you're killing all the russet mites pretty then They don't build a, um, a resistance. You're lightsabering those yeah. freaking Yeah, and apparently it does bugs. help It does uh, you know help the buds some. Nice. So, uh, nice. Yeah, check that out. It's really cool. And you get 15% off anything on his website there mm-hmm. using code ORGANROOTED. Yep. Organ rooted. Yeah. <laughs> Organ rooted in case you didn't know. Yeah. So, and the Formula One works great. I love it. I'm going to always use it mm-hmm. at least, you know, up until he makes something maybe better. After we get him moved in tomorrow, maybe we need to uh, put some on him. Absolutely. Yeah. And then remember Peacemaker Gear. Uh, always got to give a shout out to them. Yeah. We still got their stuff. In fact, we're going to run a contest. We got, we, we've been saving the best stuff that they sent us for last. So like mm-hmm. a, we've got that glow in the dark. What was the other one we had? What was the other cool one? Uh, I think some Rasta still. Was the Rasta one available still? Yeah. Um, I don't remember which other yeah. ones. So we'll, we'll have a contest we'll put out on social media for those coming up. And then uh, don't forget Applegate Soils and Hydro for your stuff. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then actually, you know, Sean, if you ever are out, like if you don't live towards this area, if you live more towards Ashland or Talent, Mm -hmm. um, you can check out Rogue Farmers there on South Pacific Highway. Mm -hmm. And Right there by Talent Health Club. Yeah. They're really cool people. Sean, they're, ask for Sean. He's a a smart dude when it comes to cannabis too. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there's another option if you can't drive, you know, to, to Applegate. So... And those guys are awesome. Yeah. Um, and then I guess that's it. You had just a couple articles before we go into the interview. Yeah, I've just got... Let's just go through those real quick and then... All right. I've got marijuana myths go up in smoke. Study shows IQ academic performance not impacted by cannabis use. This is important because I went through college smoking cannabis and mm-hmm. I actually, you know, I'm, I'm totally, I'll be honest, I took some tests. Mm-hmm. I guess all of them, maybe. Those, no, there's probably a couple I just didn't by default just because I was in a, you know, wasn't in my schedule, but. You were high all the time, basically. I think so. so I there's think so. no time that we're. Okay, there might <laughs> be still... some time that we're not high, but it's. By it's default, yeah. By default, yeah. It but it's happened. like an hour you never longer know. than yeah. what we're used to going. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways. Anyway, I graduated with 3.75, <laughs> just to note. Not bragging, I'm just. And hold on. And a year and a half for a two year. For a two-year... Um, yeah, and then I've completed a two-year and, and yes. a year and a half. But here's the deal. That's only saying because I smoked the whole freaking time. Yeah. So I'm well, just saying Well, and you crammed that. at the end. <laughs> All right. <laughs> <laughs> Cannabis, a wonderful food medicine, has been demonized for decades. No plant has ever been fraught with such extreme controversy. Police raids are conducted to seize and burn this plant and to lock growers away. Innocent people are shot and killed in their own homes because of the war on this plant. Fraudulent fraudulent and incomplete studies have attempted to darken people's perspective about this plant, but those who know it best, who have firsthand experience with it, understand that it's harmless and actually healing. Cannabis use doesn't lower a person's IQ, as suggested by widely publicized 2012 New Zealand study in the Proceedings of National Academy of Sciences. 
A separate review of the data published in the same journal provided that IQ changes were the result of socioeconomic differences and not cannabis use. In fact, the the demonized plant is actually beneficial for connecting the nervous system of the body with the immune system, helping the two systems communicate through the suppressed endocannabinoid receptors in the human body. So in other words, if you're feeling crappy, smoke some weed and you're smarter and, you know, you can still go in and take that test. See? See? It just ignores the pain and it's like, okay, let's go do this. Right. Your brain still works. (laughs) (laughs) I, I, yeah. Maybe. Marijuana myths going up in smoke. Cannabis isn't making people stupid. New data published in the Journal of Psychopharmacology, sorry, that's a really long word, is making the myths surrounding cannabis use go up in smoke. A group of 2,235 participants was first given the Wetchless, <laughs> the Intelligence Scale for Children, third edition. Yeah. The W. Um, at an individual clinic session when they were eight years old. When they turned 15, adolescents were administered the vocabulary and matrix reasoning subsections of the abbreviated scale of intelligence. At this point, the adolescents provided cumulative lifetime cannabis use data by reporting their cannabis use on a scale of never, less than five, five to 19 times, 20 to 49 times, 50 to 99 times. Anyways, let's skip that. Um, at age 16, the adolescent's education performance was measured using key stage four national testing. Um, basically, it says cannabis use of over 50, 50 times predicted an average score of 11.6 percentage points lower than never used. Wow. Yeah. However, once the confounding factors of cigarette use, uh, use cigarette cigarette use was factored in, it suddenly became clear why education performance fell. Hmm. Hmm. The study finds cumulative are, cigarettes... Are they saying there was a tie-in with the cigarettes? I, I Maybe. Um, here's what it says for the next one. It says, the study finds cumulative cigarette use was the key attenuator... Atten- attenuator? Uh, attenuator? Yeah. Okay of the association between cumulative cannabis use and both IQ and educational performance. Further, cumulative cigarette use remained negatively associated with both outcomes in the fully adjusted models. Those who had used cigarettes 100 times, less than 100 times, were estimated to have an age 15 adjusted IQ, 3.2 points lower, and adjusted educated IQ, educational score of 7.4 percentage points lower than never user of cigarettes Hmm. yeah it's it that's what it sounds like it's really saying it says the real danger of cannabis is the war waged against it the only thing dangerous about cannabis use is the war that is waged against it especially when armed troops burst into people's properties violating natural laws and sometimes killing innocent people the only IQ lowering brain damaging reality <laughs> about marijuana is the level of brainwashed ignorance aimed at the plant. Yeah. Cannabis should be a staple food in people's diets. Sold in the produce section at a grocery store at grocery stores alongside ginger root and kale. The demon the demonization of the plant has created a sort of dark underground culture of rebellion that fuels adolescents' negative attitude towards authority, obedience, and learning. Perhaps cannabis use spurs adolescents to see through the 
phoniness of the education system, standardized testing, and the A and F system, encouraging them to think outside the box and learn creatively and in individualist ways the the (laughs) academic standard testing and IQ test can measure. Sorry. No, it was just getting big words towards the end. I don't know if you had to go that far, but... Well, I just wanted to read that last part because that was the important part about yeah, yeah. the war waged against it. Yeah. But yeah, that seems like it's a lot more demonized than it needs to be. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I, I My test scores correlated more to my uh, application of myself and how much I studied and how much I did my homework and all mm-hmm. that. That was really more... Uh, indicative of my test scores than it ever was me consuming, you know, cannabis. Right. There was times where I was staying up late doing homework and I was not smoking because I knew it'd just make me pass out. Yeah. So I don't like think you needed I w- to stay awake. So I don't think there wasn't times I I wasn't a little responsible. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was just because you were already tired. Well, yeah, exactly. But I knew that you, I couldn't. Yeah, so. and you didn't want to push it any further. But you know how I didn't want to get late anyway, but... Mm-hmm. What's next? Exactly. Let's get through it. Uh, marijuana businesses push back on Oregon's testing rules. Ask for delay. Yeah, and I didn't know much about this because it. And you know, this is part of what the show's about. The show for this time with Kenavir is partly about you know, slightly a little bit about Anthony, but also about uh, October first and the rules mm-hmm. that came about with that, and the things that are changing with that. So, um, you know. This, I guess we'll go hand in hand with it. Yeah. I, it's, For Oregon. Um, it is the new testing rules. So. Yeah. All right. So some makers of marijuana concentrates, extracts, and edibles are sounding dire alarms about how the state's new testing rules are holding back their products from the market and jeopardizing their businesses. They complain that state lacks approved labs to carry out all of the required tests, causing long delays forcing them to mull layoffs and generally leaving them out of the state's new recreational marijuana program that opened this month. I've heard a lot about this lately. Yeah. A lot about this. Yeah. But of course, look at the crowd I've been hanging out with as well. Right. So um, the state has 18 accredited and approved labs for marijuana. Only four are approved to test for pesticides, a hallmark of Oregon's marijuana regulation. There is a fundamental failure going on here, said attorneys Amy Mar- Margulis, executive director of the Oregon Cannabis, Cannabis Association, a trade group. <clears throat> I am getting countdown clocks from clients saying, this is how many days I have until I have to shut down. The criticisms have pushed Oregon's pot regulators to convene a meeting Wednesday to evaluate the problems. The Oregon Liquor Control Commission, in charge of the state's recreational marijuana sales, processing, and production, wants to sort fact from fiction, says the agency's executive director, Stephen Marks. We won't give up on the state's goal to to have in place the most rigorously tested protocol to place in the country, Marks said Tuesday. It'll be early next year before the industry fully adapts to the new rules, he predicted. Yeah. Um... Jason will talk more about that. Yeah, exactly. Uh, He says, this is no joke. He said, uh, we followed all of their rules. If you follow their rules, you cannot cannot succeed. I don't think I'm going to make it out of this. Um, That was Cameron Yee, owner of the Bend-based Lunchbox Alchemy. Um, 
Norris Manson, CEO of Cultivated Industries, which produces and processes cannabis, said after multiple calls to the lab, he finally he's finally getting his products tested, but at a steep cost. Yeah, well, that's the other thing, too, is big big issue with the cost of all this stuff that yeah. these guys are going to go through. Well, I've heard personally that it went from like $350 is what they used to pay to get product tested. Yeah. Now it's $1,000 at least for for what they are getting tested. And right here it says... Is that what Jay Bird was saying? Yes. Yeah. Um, and then right here it says what would have cost 125 is now into the thousands, he said. Meanwhile, in Southern Oregon, where the outdoor harvest is underway... Grower Cedar Gray hasn't had a tough time getting his products into labs. He said he planned ahead and made appointments with labs well in advance. Well, some people are smart. Smart and have done yeah, that one. Definitely. Um, yeah. Says it's like the gold rush. He said there's a lot of speculation and people coming into the business without business experience. To some degree, it's not surprising that many of these businesses will fail as things get more competitive, which is true. You got to kind of keep your keep yourself on top to uh keep in the game type thing well yeah especially with all the, with the imbalance in the system yeah and if you don't keep on top of your game and you make sure to keep maybe one step ahead you're gonna fail unfortunately it's sad but yeah. it's true yeah absolutely yeah did you i thought you had one more that that really cool one. Oh, the one about the yeah 17 because we got to have some comedy here okay 17 reasons <laughs> 17 reasons why you should date a girl who smokes weed or just marry one can or, we say or that or marry one okay does that count too <laughs> says one she's not high maintenance want to just hang out and eat pizza she's down uh two she's easy to shop for whatever the holiday weed is always the perfect gift Oh, so so you have your default gift. <laughs> right. There's always a default gift. Uh, three, she has the best taste in music. <laughs> music makes everything better, and her playlist is definitely the dopest. Well, one thing about you is you do listen to good music, but you go like listen to the stuff that's all just I have some tangents. Ran- well, I have like, random. Thanks, Spotify. Well, I have Jeez. like reggae, and then I have like... Well, I've got like Dirty Heads and then I've got like Ziggy Marley and then I've got like some orchestra stuff. Then I have some Lindsey Sterling um, and then I think I have some Eminem in there. I know, but what is all that weird stuff that you have on the playlist? Nine. Oh, uh, like off weird uh, stuff. What is that? I don't even remember what it's called. It was freaky. It, yeah, it's it's funny. I actually found it on, on Facebook and I went and found the video. Um Number four, she has a great appetite. Go ahead and order that second (laughs) plate of fries because your girl most definitely has the munchies. Um, Number five, she always has weed. If you run out, your boo has you covered. You can't deny, I always have random hidden nugs. (laughs) Be like, I am out. I'll be like, oh, don't worry. I have some right here. Let me go get it. Hold on. I'll be right back. (laughs) Oh, geez. Number six. I'm running out tomorrow. (laughs) She's good with her hands and her tongue. Enough said. Oh, wow. See, I haven't heard these yet, so this is... <laughs> Number seven, she'll always laugh at your jokes, even if she can't remember them. <laughs> Number eight, I and you know, you I know, well, you do know that that's me when it comes to things, is I forget stuff easy. Uh, Number eight, she knows how to relax and enjoy the moment. What could be better than that? Uh, Number nine, 
She's down to earth and doesn't sweat the small stuff. It's all good, man. <laughs> Number 10, her friends are probably stoners too, which means they're cool. Duh. Uh, I've got one stoner friend. Well, yeah, but she is the one that just basically recently picked it up. Yeah, is that what you're she's saying? She's a newbie. Exactly. She's just a newbie, but she's okay. still a stoner friend. Yeah. Yeah. She has joined that category now. Yeah. If we keep talking about it, we're going to have to figure out a name for her. We're going to need to find Special K. Special K. We don't need there to make a name. She's had one. Got it. Okay. We got this. <laughs> 11. She likes to try new things. You know what we're talking about. Yeah. 12. Family dinners at her place are relaxed and laid back. We'll have lots to smoke this winter, won't we, mother? Grow your own, smoke your own. <laughs> it says, and even if they're not, you can relax afterwards. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Uh, number 13, she knows how to have a good time. Whether you're chilling on the couch or going on an adventure, she knows how to have fun. That's true. And with all these different strains, man, there's some that just make you freaking want to go do some shum shum. Yeah, exactly. Some fun times. 14, she's super laid back and gives zero fucks. <laughs> just fucking doing it. Weed is awesome. <laughs> uh, oh, man. She's sexy. She's... Uh, number 15, she's sexy. She's rare breed and is unique and sexy in her own way. Uh, number 16, she has a unique perspective on life. You might even say her intelligence level is higher than the rest. Really? Yes. Wow, they're really going for it. Do you agree? Your intelligence? You're smart. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I like how you're like, they're really going for it. And then you're like, oh, yeah, you're smart. <laughs> 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 Number 17. Most importantly, she's always down to talk with you. The couple that smokes together sure. stays sh- together. More like it's the other way around. Like, uh, Okay, I can't go to bed without having a bowl. I'm sorry. Can't wake up. I can't go to the bathroom. I can't. Hey, I can down. too. <laughs> <laughs> I get up about 12 times a night. Pretty sure. Yeah. So, all right. Well, that was it uh, on the news, I, I imagine. Yes. Yeah. Yes, sir. That's it. Right. So, um, okay. Well, then let's get right into the interview. And right. this is, uh, again, Kenevere with Jason Wilson and uh, Anthony. A- at least an intro to Anthony uh, Smith. He does give us some great info and some great thoughts. Mm-hmm. And so had I not been in such a darn rush, we probably would have got more info. But yes. we're going to follow up and maybe switch the equipment around because, you know, Sometimes these mobile situations just aren't good for studio equipment, you know? So yeah. I'll have to figure something out on that, but um, I don't know. So here it is. All right. This is Higher Peaks, and I'm here with Lady Sativa. Hey there. And we are here with Jason Wilson from Kenevere Research. And also, we've got a special guest today, Anthony. Anthony is from uh, Kenevere as well. Can you give us a little background, Anthony? Sure. My name is uh, Anthony Smith, actually. Um, I come to cannabis from a background in natural products research and sort of industrial natural products. And uh, I have a long lifetime interest in herbal medicines and traditional uh, medicinal lore. And uh, uh, several years ago, I just saw the writing on the wall that those would be married with the emerging cannabis industry. Um, so yeah, now so you have a big part in cannabis research though, right? Like you have your part of your, a big picture of that. Yes. I founded cannabis okay. research, uh, myself 
originally in my garage, to tell you the truth. <laughs> um, Sometimes started tinkering in 2013 and formed uh, the laboratory officially in early 2014. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And Jason, you came along and yeah, um, are sharing your knowledge as well. So Yeah, I came into the picture around uh, November of 2014. Okay. Right? Okay. When I met Anthony and we first met and got to talking. Yeah. And so what the best part, I think, about Kenevere is that you guys are sharing a lot of information and sharing a lot of research. And uh, you're being very open with with that. Sure, and yeah. so you have a lot to share. And so one of the things that we've um, talked about this whole season actually is um, all kinds of uh, information, whether it be terpenes or we've talked about now uh, concentrates with plant oils. Yeah, extraction science. Yeah, yeah. so you've shared a lot of information. And cannabinoids too. Have oh yeah, the the... Uh, the endocannabinoid system. There you go, the ECS. Yeah, yeah, we've talked about that quite a bit. So there's a lot of stuff that you've shared, and uh, now you've just taken another level with the uh, science of extraction, if you will. Mm -hmm. Do you want to talk a little bit about that and tell us uh, what this last seminar was about? Sure, yeah. Um, so it was our second to last seminar of the year, so our free seminar series extends from around uh, March or so and goes until October. And uh, so this past one was on extraction science and um, uh, Anthony shared information all about sort of the chemistry behind cannabinoid extractions and some of the different technologies involved. And um, it was a really good, really good time. We had a good turnout and a lot of really good questions, a lot of good feedback. Um, yeah, and now Anthony, I know that you, um you did most of the talks. So do you want to share with us what uh, you shared at the seminar in terms of you want to summarize that real quick and tell us really what the highlights, what, what do people need to know when it comes to extraction? Sure. It's uh, always a fun talk for me uh, because uh, it's a, a, a layman's terms, but a, a real technical breakdown of what extracts and concentrates are. They're, they're a really popular form of, of both medicinal and uh, so-called recreational use of cannabis. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, they're a really emergent um, product, um, and some of them are really nice. And there's a lot of, I think, people don't necessarily understand either how they're made or how they're prepared. Or, yeah. or um, there's a lot of um, lingo out there, like... Um, shatter and wax right. and I, I don't know if, dab and right and so we kind of um, do a technical breakdown and yeah. what the differences and lack of differences really are a lot of those things are mostly the same exact thing as it turns yeah. out just different consistencies which are sure um, or different forms of making it correct exactly okay exactly. yeah and one I think one of the big things is is you were highlighting how when you concentrate um, these extracts that you're concentrating everything in the plant so you know we did mention that that could be mold pesticides mildew whatever but i mean you are making it concentrated sure yeah. exactly and i think um you know as a consumer i think it's good to pay attention to such things but it's also good to know that there are producers who are really on top of this and after yeah. this and um so there is a lot of really interesting high quality sure. uh, cannabis concentrates available mm -hmm. 
I think it's important. You know, this is probably the main take home that I wanted to have at the talk is yeah. uh, if you're going to get into concentrates, uh, either vaping or dabbing, etc., just be a connoisseur and uh, pay attention to where it comes from and ask a lot of questions. You can start with snob, looking at say. certificates of analysis, <laughs> uh, you know, because retailers usually can let you take a look at these. Um, that's a big one. That's something you're mentioning. So you can actually ask for that mm -hmm. at the store. You can, you know, okay. I don't, I, I wouldn't be surprised if it might be difficult um, at, at some times or, or, you know, for a shop to produce the paperwork, but in theory, it's there. It needs to be on site. And well, if you're a consumer, <laughs> you can look at these things. I yeah. Think. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so what's your biggest concern with concentrates right now? as far as from your standpoint, because you come from a scientific, you know, uh, educated position. So what, what's your concern with concentrates right now? Is it, is it the fact that we're going through a lot of regulation changes or is it, is it really come from the, the growers or where's your concern there? Um, I guess the main one that I have is quality assurance. Okay. Yeah. Um, and, and, it definitely relates to um, you know the 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 pesticides that are often used in cannabis production. Yeah. You know, a lot of those end up in concentrates. Yeah. It's, uh, it's not a big surprise to a lot of people, um, and so I would say as a public health thing, um, that also why I encourage people to become a connoisseur is that um, yeah, the stuff really needs to be clean because it's. It's ultra sticky and carries pretty much everything that's ever been squirted on that plant. Yeah. And, and one thing I can agree with is that uh, I use it like medicine when it comes to concentrates and it affects me quicker. And it also affects me in ways that flour doesn't. Now, I would assume that other people feel the same way. Not everybody, because I mean, flour works for a lot of people, but... Uh, do you think from a medicinal standpoint, do you think that concentrates are a good thing or is it, I mean, I mean yeah, I don't know either way. I mean, honestly, uh, I'm more interested, I think in sort of the, again, the quality assurance and yeah. of it, um, so, okay, well, there's so little data available yeah. on like yeah. long-term use of, of these concentrate products. It's really hard to make any claims one way or the other i mean it's definitely we know that people are you know using them every day sometimes multiple times a day and so i think that's where the quality assurance part comes in is you know try to make it as safe as it possibly can be um, but we really don't have any information or data on what the safety profile of regular use of concentrates even in a perfectly clean state would be yeah right. well let me ask you do you think it's safe in general in Oregon. I mean, let's get to the dirt. It is is it safe to um, use concentrates in Oregon at this point, or is that something that we're still working on? I mean, you said be a connoisseur, but sure, I'm definitely not that kind of doctor. But okay, <laughs> uh, as a as a chemist, I think yes. If you're, it's acutely safe. I mean, knowing okay. it's really uh, so, most there would be complaints, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. But um, you know, just my personal opinion, there could be um, chronic things, but I, I think there are a lot of the same things with smoking anything. Sure. Right? I mean, right. sure. it might irritate your lungs. 
I don't you know. Maybe that's well, not and, bad. And, and and the thing is, is you brought up is that you generally vaporize concentrates, mm-hmm. um, whereas flour you may not. Right. Mm-hmm. You might combust it, which I would assume is a little less healthier. We yeah, and, know, they, and that gets tricky too because with like the vaporizing of concentrates and i think we've talked about this before potentially but you know like using a like quote unquote vape pen um you know that's oftentimes not really a true vaporization it's like a smoldering a lot of times combustion used but then if you were to use a really dialed in temperature controlled device yeah you know which are available yeah they're definitely available and like even um um, like the classic volcanoes, like they have little adapters, mm-hmm. these little, they look like um, steel wool uh, bits or whatever. They're these little wafers, you know, these metallic wafers that you can put concentrate on and it'll just absorb it so that you can vaporize it. Almost like a it. stone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, there are nuances, I think, to all, to all of that depending on um, how you're ingesting it. And then there could be potentially, you know, what we've um, kind of been clued into are certain additives in certain products versus others. Um, and there's a lot of mystery around, you know, what, if any, um, problematic health issues might be, you know, involved in that with like propylene glycol and different things being added. Well, and not only that, but the ODA has pointed out that, um, you know, like it's grown to what, 390 plus things that are on the list now for oh that can be applied sure. or not be applied or not be applied yeah, yeah. um yeah. so that list keeps growing and we see that people have got stuff out there that either unlabeled or yeah the unlabeled pesticides yeah, is a big issue yeah because um, a lot of the products that uh, uh growers have gotten accustomed to using are sometimes um, produced by their local companies or um smaller companies that are you know may not uh, be labeling things to the same standard that you would see on uh, some other products and and sometimes it's easier i hate to say this but it's easier just to not label it Mm -hmm. so or to call it something else other than a pesticide correct yeah which we see that a lot Mm -hmm. so what's your feeling with that anthony do you think that's something that's going to be a big factor in the future here with with not labeling or do you think oda is going to get this under control and get things straight and have you guys test for the right things and because there really isn't any legacy research about uh, inhalation of of pesticides i mean even with tobacco stuff it's always been this sort of shunned research i think without real data i don't think they're gonna like authorize specific pesticides to be used yeah yeah yeah. Okay. So what's your feeling now about um, the, let's, let's get into the actual uh, business side of it and let's talk about how it's affecting you guys. I mean, what the, we know that the last few labs that have gotten certified, like they're supposed to recently mm-hmm. done what they're supposed to do. We've kind of gotten into a situation now. You want to explain that real quick, just briefly and, and tell us what's going on with that. Basically the rules are about to flip over on October 1, um, which is going to be this weekend. So basically starting next week, um, there's a solid list of, I think there's 59 pesticides total that the state's outlined um, that will have to be tested for, which is very different. And now you guys are 
accredited? You guys are already we're all, set for that? We're all set up to okay. take care of all of our clients in that regard. Um, we're also... Um, now, you're not... This is not a big group of people, right? I mean... What do you mean? As far as the certification, like you guys have jumped on board. Yeah, there aren't, there aren't very many entities in the state yeah, prepared to, to do okay. this um, okay. at this moment. I It'll change a lot going forward. I mean... It's, I think it's important for people to understand. So there's a list online of all of the labs that have gotten ORLAP accredited and what they're accredited for. And um, I think there are about 10 labs or so, 10 to 12 labs or so that are accredited right now for testing all kinds of different things. And um, the situation going forward with lab testing will be a little different than the past because there'll be a lot of um, sort of networking between labs to make all this different stuff happen. There are some labs that are specializing in pesticides only or residual solvents only and all okay. this stuff. And so there'll be contract work and all kinds of different things going on to help Are the you guys going to try to keep your uh, range big? So, I mean, are you guys going to try to keep testing for everything and offering the full range of um, yeah absolutely uh we'll step more slowly into the accreditation for the microbiology but everything else uh we have pretty well locked down already um microbiology uh, isn't required uh for routine testing you know as of october 1 but uh, we have a hunch that they might bring some of these requirements back. So that's Can you explain that, that a little bit more about what do you mean by microbiology? I mean, sure. Uh, initially, when testing rules were rolled out, there was a re- requirement for a so-called uh, mold and mildew count. Okay. Um, and, and the guidelines were uh, under 10,000 colony-forming units uh, per gram, which is sort of comes directly out of kind of bulk herb quality control okay. uh, 101. That's pretty yeah. normal. Um, uh, and when the the second era of rules, which we're in now until October 1st, rolled over around March, March of 2016, uh, those new rules didn't have any requirement for the, the so-called uh, mildew and mold count. I see. So we've done quite a bit of it since because a lot of buyers uh, like that number and uh, you know expect to get it, um, but we're not going to be providing it as part of our regular package. Uh, you'll be able to order that as a test. Um, but on a on well, a, this is an important side of it, though. It is. It is uh, on on another level. Initially, when these new laws uh, or new testing rules were laid down, there was a, a requirement for testing. E. coli and salmonella in fresh cannabis flour, hmm. uh, which those are f- for the laboratory. Those are far more technical methods than just a simple mold count. Uh, it re- requires pretty substantial microbiology capabilities. Mm-hmm. Um, but somewhere, I don't even know when, it, which revision of the new <laughs> final temporary revised rules <laughs> cycles uh, this year. Uh, they struck that requirement, and I actually think that's prudent at this time. Uh, it's a, it, as I said, it's a technical uh, measurement for labs to do, and those types of assays, E. coli and Salmonella, are more prudent for agricultural foodstuffs that are distributed and eaten fresh. Right. Yeah. Um, like tomatoes. And yeah. Exactly. Spinach. Yes. Um, melons and, and such things. 
because those are real threats uh, gastrointestinally. Gotcha. Uh, you know, touching, handling, arguably even smoking cannabis that has uh, some level of those bacteria probably are not pathogenic. Hmm. Uh, so I think those tests are required by rule at the request of the authority. Yeah. So if there's some complaint, then they would... They, Someone they gets food poisoning or oh, something, okay. and then they might. So that's why for a time we've actually left that off of our scope, um, and we'll probably get back to focusing on adding that to our scope sometime around the end of the year. Mm-hmm. So basically they are wanting to take microbiology away and count only the pesticides is, is what is basically going on October yes. 1st. So and they don't care about the mold. They just correct. want Okay. And then also uh, there's a requirement for residual solvent analysis of concentrates. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, And for uh, the sort of way that the state dealt with the lack of microbiology testing come October 1 is there's a, for cannabis flowers, there's a requirement for water activity measurements. Um, So water activity is basically a measurement of sort of how mobile water is in a sample, which as that relates to microbiology, it just means how much water is available to bacteria and fungi to sort of feed off of so that they can grow. Um, And so the idea is that if, you know, all flour gets tested for water activity and it ends up being um, below a certain level, which right now the state sort of arbitrarily set the level at um, 0.65 active water units, which um, can also be translated as 65% relative humidity. Oh, okay. Um, so easier way to think about there it. There you go. Um, but that's, even that's kind of complicated because in the research and development we've been doing with water activity and moisture content, um, it turns out some some fairly seemingly wet cannabis can still pass that water activity measurement. Oh, really? Um, so it'll... Oh, good. This will be a process where we're going to really have to collect a lot of data and then regroup and decide um, sort of as a state um, if that bar needs to be changed or not. Because it was kind of taken from a lot of food science. Uh, For instance, um, there have been a lot of water activity studies done with wet cat food. Mm. And they found that, you know, there's a certain limit where if it's at 0.67, it'll spoil in a week or two. But if it's at... 0.65, then it'll last for years. And so we don't know what that limit is for cannabis yet. And so it's, they picked that 0.65 and we'll, you know, we'll see if people start complaining that their buds are starting to mold out, you know, and they pass the water activity measurement, you know, there may be discussion about trying to figure out what to do about that, whether to lower the bar or reinstitute mold testing or, or what. It really seems like that it's going to be the most difficult for the research labs. It really seems like you guys have been put under (laughs) the gun uh, for not only uh, being able to perform, Mm -hmm. whether, whatever that may be, and also be able to give those results to the the growers and stuff. Like, I I mean, what is, what's the state of Oregon when it comes to uh, research labs? I mean, do you think that we're on the right track? Do you think we're, trying to find our way are we doing the right things what do we need to implement i mean there's a lot of questions there i know but 
this kind of goes in, Anthony, yeah. with um, some of the work you did on the research task force as far as kind of the lack of research labs in the state. I don't know if you want to talk about that. Yeah, let's, let's talk about what you think the standards should be. I mean, what, what, what do we need to go towards um, in your professional opinion? I think we're almost there uh, with respect to regulating labs in Oregon. I mean, it's a really progressive model uh, mm-hmm. compared yeah. to what's happening in other states. And I don't want to stop you there, but I just want to make sure you guys know that we do have quite a few people across the world listening to this, analyzing, yeah. you know, what yeah. we're doing. So the importance here is that um, that we're sharing this information and saying, yeah. you know, is it right? Is it not right? Mm-hmm. Whatever. So go ahead. Um, sure. That being said, I, I think uh, with respect to Testing and licensure and, and regulation of that part of the industry. Uh, honestly, Oregon probably errs on the side of being a little overregulated, um, but it it's sort of um, it, it's been necessary, honestly, to uh, to raise the value uh, that labs provide to the industry mm-hmm. um, because um, in in this unregulated testing lab. Um, environment that we've built the business in over the last couple of years uh, it's too easy uh, to provide test results as a lab and not actually provide value to your clients um, and so it's I think forced a requirement for certain levels of demonstration of proficiency with with with, with what are really technical uh, methods mm-hmm. um, yeah well I think Kenevere has a at least in my opinion, has a position to be able to to um, show that labs can, you know, whatever, yeah. either perform in that in whatever situation or at least be able to provide the services that they're looking for. But I do know it's kind of a sketchy area right now. So I think it's it's worth pointing out, you know, that Oregon, because they've chosen um, ORLAP to be the accrediting body, um, there's, if it wouldn't have been, or lab doing the laboratory accreditations, we all the labs would have probably ended up having to get accredited to um, this um, international standard ISO 17025. And it turns out the ORLAP standard is more stringent than the the international standard. And so, really, I mean, labs meeting the ORLAP accreditation standard um, is a really big deal across the world, in my opinion, because it shows. I mean, if they can do that, I mean, essentially, you know, they've met some of the most stringent guidelines for this type of work before you get into kind of high-level pharmaceutical FDA types of lab work. So could ORLAP be like a standard or at least a um, reference, if you will, for the rest of the world at some point? Do you think? They're international. They do yeah. accreditations in well, like Fiji and mm-hmm. all, uh, Korea, places all over the world. They do accreditations, which a lot of people don't realize, which is one reason why they're stressed right now with having yeah. to uh, get all of the cannabis lab accreditations in Oregon done because, you know, there are lead scares not only in Oregon but other states and other countries, and so they're having to also deal with these environmental labs that are doing some really sensitive work um, uh, in our country and other countries. And I, uh, I don't know, I have a lot of respect for the ORLAP assessors. Um, <laughs> they've been put through a, a lot. Um, it's really I incredible bet. what they've been able to pull off given their resources. Well, Absolutely. and so that, yeah, that leads me to this. So, Anthony, tell me if, um, I mean, are we going to be able to, as a state, be able to handle 
the load, the, the bulk of the growers, um, and be able to get all that tested? Or do you think that we're going to run into some problems? Because yeah, I think so. Here's, here's the deal. Again, not to interrupt, but man, I've got probably 10 people right now that are harvesting. Right. Okay. So, I mean, we're already in it. <laughs> and uh, are, are we going to be able to handle that response? Or is that something that's going to be a challenge? Tell us about it. My one lab is not going to be able to handle all of it. Unfortunately. Uh, we have a few labs to work with, fortunately. Okay. I'm in the Evio Labs group, and so we think we can contribute uh, a whole lot to this uh, perceived problem. Really, a year or so ago, I believe there were 25 or 30, maybe more, entities in the state um, operating as cannabis labs. At that time, Jason and I were hot on the track of getting our lab ready for ISO 17025 accreditation. That's where we thought it would go. Um, once they released the rules, it was about exactly a year ago. Mm-hmm. Just so you know, we run under ISO where I work too. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah we, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. So once we knew that it was going to be ORLAP um, and the TNI standard, uh, not ISO, uh, we didn't have to change a lot other than sort of the, the name of our goal. A little bit of extra documentation, but yeah. Always extra we were, documentation. It is. That's you what know? it's all it's always about. The, that and extra legal, click. Legal defensibility. <laughs> One of the that things we said signature. was that, okay, when this rolls over next year, there is going to be room in the, in the industry for six to ten labs. Yeah, that was our projection. That's really all the labs going to need, or the state will need, I think, to cover all the production. It's not. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, and I mean, that's pretty reasonable when you look at other industries and lab industries um, in other markets and everything. I mean, yeah, it usually gets filed down to a handful of labs and, you know, um, it's important to keep in mind that the lab testing rules will probably continue to evolve as we go forward and some things that we're already seeing and sort of project um, in the new testing rules coming through, like for residual solvent testing, Really, you only have to pass four consecutive residual solvent tests, prove that you're not getting any fails, and then submit your SOPs, some info about your process, and those test results to the state, and they can waive that testing requirement completely. I imagine we'll probably see something else like that for pesticides eventually when we have more data on you know, what pesticides are truly problematic and common in the industry and which ones aren't. I'm sure the pesticide list will change over time. And diminish a little. Yeah, it'll it'll probably will. It, it might diminish. It could also get bigger. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But um, well, you know, with all the off label stuff, right? Yeah. yeah. And so, it's really hard to predict anything. And the model's going to keep changing. But we expect it to become a lot like what we're already familiar with in food science and agricultural science, where you know, it. It all gets filed down so that labs really aren't um, having to take on sort of the enormous amount of work that that is sort of perceived right now. It's not like every little bit of cannabis is going to have to be tested for you know a million different things yeah. in order to make it through the commerce chain. As producers get quality assurance under control and can prove to the state that they have appropriate quality control procedures. Um, then you know some of this kind of gets loosened up and i think it'll all work itself out honestly yeah Yeah. it will i think along with the the rest of the sort of 
industrialization and commercialization uh, of at least the production end of, of cannabis. One of the things I wonder about a little bit um, is because we've spent the last few years, you know, um, really tailing our technical processes, again, to be value-added uh, information for our clients. And so there's been a lot more flexibility in how clients can access our results. You know, mm -hmm. you can bring materials down. There's, you know, and the, the way that labs are getting regulated with the new rule changes... Um, I'm. I, I don't want to say I'm concerned, but I'm looking out for how to make sure that that people realize that we can only do things certain ways now that mm -hmm. that we really couldn't before or could before. Yeah. And so, I I think the question is is um, like we talked about last time when we were talking about rescheduling. Sure, um, yeah. yeah, is the FDA going to get their foot in this, and is it going to change? Almost the assuredly, whole? at some point. Yeah. It's just well, that change. I mean, um, that's really hard to predict. <laughs> we don't have to go there, guys. What I just, that'll look like. Um, <laughs> I just thought I'd throw that in there. <laughs> but almost. I tried to go there last time. Almost bit. certainly, <laughs> yes. I mean, you know, they'll definitely. I mean, especially for infused food products and that's where they will probably get into it i think once there's a large market for standardized food or infused edibles the fda is not going to be able to hold themselves back yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. and at that point do you think it's going to be out of our hands as far as uh, labs or are we still going to have a big portion of that testing and stuff done through the labs and stuff, or is FDA just going to take it all over? And No, I think because there really isn't any other precedent uh, for how to do this, I think we're in a fine position to keep um, doing that sort of work, even yeah. if the FDA does want to regulate infused edibles. Sure. Yeah. We just might have to meet other standards. Right. Well, it sounds like Orlap might be able to be a, a leader in that section. Mm -hmm. Um yeah, I mean, if there are, FDA would accept it. Yeah, and there are certain FDA guidelines that apply to, you know, extractions from plant materials and um, production of, of foods and whatnot. And so, yeah, I imagine, you know, probably the most reasonable scenario is as the FDA wants to um, begin to really uh, regulate this kind of stuff. Um, yeah, they might just end up saying like, okay, in addition to Orlap and all of you know these standards that you have to meet for your quality systems and documentation and methods, there might be some additional um, requirements. Um, but I don't see it really changing that much because the methods, like the reference methods that we have to work off of to get Orlap accreditation, generally are founded in EPA, FDA methods and. Um, AOAC methods, they're greatly modified because a lot of this stuff doesn't exist for cannabis yet. Um, but I don't know, the FDA stuff will, I don't know, part of me thinks some of it will come down more on um, the producers of the edibles and producers of extracts um, yes. than it will labs. It would be way harder for producers of these products than the test labs. Yeah. On a regulatory sense. Yeah. Okay. So do you think that as a state we're leading? Yeah, I'd say so. Um, that was confident. Well, I'd say Oregon has been in a 
nice position to learn from you know Colorado and Washington yeah. as they've been making some of these decisions and you know personally there are a lot of things that I like that Oregon's done and a lot of things I don't like you know that have happened um, what I always tell people is you know you've got to keep in mind that really you have to think like what are things going to be like five years from now we have no idea how this is all going to evolve it's all in its infancy right um, but I don't know I it, I'm really interested to see what California does, honestly, yeah. um, as they kind of move into this realm. Well, they haven't gotten into rec yet. Right. Yeah. yeah. Which is really weird because they were leaders in medical for they a were, long yeah. time. You'd think that they would have hopped on board already. Yeah. Yeah. They have on a regulatory sense. In advance of so any you of think their... they doing that on purpose? I mean, yeah, that... absolutely. I mean, the governor's signing rules currently that will govern licensure and regulation and testing and seed to sale tracking all in advance and so, so maybe they're just doing it they've the seen us all as a model really mm-hmm. and, um, and the I've, from the feedback I've gotten it seems like a lot of uh, California government agencies have been working together for several years now to try to help growers understand best practices and they've you know tried to regulate um, extraction things I mean um, home explosions of extracts made at home were a problem and so California ended up regulating that um, um, but the the collaboration with the government agencies has been really um, really interesting to see and in some of the classes that I, I teach um, we talk about that and I actually pull these government documents from California because they're excellent resources like you know how to avoid polluting water systems when you're growing you know all of these different things that uh, yeah it's really encouraging to to see Um, yeah so okay so what do you want to see the industry head towards where do you guys want to see it go are we heading the right direction (laughs) did i I throw you off there (laughs) i know you have an opinion i mean what where are we going with the industry and where would you like to see it headed are we headed in the right direction I think so because it's becoming more consumer driven. Yeah. Honestly, yeah. Uh, that's really what it's about. Um, the the industry e- emerged as a bunch of eager producers. Um, again, knowing that their clients were out there. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, the prohibitionist era and mindset is really hard to, to, to get past still. Right. That's normal. So do you think that's affected us, that, that mindset? It has. Um, yeah. Not just not just um, because you could get in trouble from the law, but it also relates to in our mind and our perception of scarcity and things like that. Yeah. Um, that's why, you know, today I, I think it's really impressive that uh, weed is, it's like 1980s college prices. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, uh, it really is. Or less. Like, yeah. I'm actually impressed at how cheap it is. Oh, yeah. I actually, you know, we went broke back in the day. <laughs> so now we're we're doing good. <laughs> so, yeah, I think the industry is going in the right way um, yeah. because it's being more consumer driven. Yeah. People are not just happy to get some weed. Mm-hmm. You know, you can be a connoisseur. You can go and look at top shelf things and, and, you know, and, and buy those things and those brands that you like, and that will support those businesses and they will grow. And that just makes a lot of sense to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. So do you think that we're, um, I'm going to ask you another tough question here. Um, have we legalized 
or have we commercialized? <laughs> Depends on your perspective, I yeah. guess. Yeah. Because I see, I see regulated. Well, right, right. <laughs> and I see your point, Anthony. In you terms can get of get in trouble for it still too, mm-hmm. right? For different things, yes, yeah. than you did before, right? Exactly. That's that's where that's what I'm asking: is are we really making it legal, or are we making it legal in a way that's going to sure yeah. provide the most that is a good money. question. Well, it, and it that's, really is. That's the because that's what we got to get down to. That's the sort of the. That's where we're at. That's the struggle of you know and um, it, what I think a, a lot of people in the industry would like to see is what most people call outright true legalization. You know where it's regulated as little as it needs to be, and overall is allowed to kind of happen as people see fit um but you know like maybe it'll get to be that way eventually and that's what uh, when um tommy chong talks about this topic a lot actually and the difference between regulation legalization and sort of what the culture has wanted versus what it's getting and it's so hard to say because like i said i mean in five years what's it going to look like i mean is it going to get more strict or less strict and who's going to be in charge of making those decisions right i think it's just important for everyone to just keep their eyes and ears peeled and um hopefully it, it remains you know like we said consumer driven and that consumers by voting by spending their money you know, on different things that they, you know, kind of show their what they want, and then hopefully government will reflect that. Yeah, mm-hmm. like it theoretically should. Yeah. Um, but there is also the issue of in a really immature market or a really immature industry, um, it's totally unpredictable and really volatile. And you know, obviously, people see that there's a lot of money to be made. Um, because it's it's essentially like another gold rush, and we may not ever see a indus- an industry and market like this come about again, you know, in our lifetimes. Right. Um, well, and one of the things with that is I don't know if you noticed, I'm sure you have, um, but in the papers they've shown or even talked about how much tax money has come. Right. Yeah. From this industry already, mm-hmm. and we don't even know what we're doing yet. Right. But we got what. Potentially, what fifteen billion? What was it in the first year? Yeah. We were already at in August. We we're at thirteen or they something. They do say it by was, next year at least fifty billion. Yeah. I think. So I mean, it's huge. I mean, and where there's money, you have to deal with people that have interests in capturing yeah. that money. So, yeah, and that's an issue that exists in every industry everywhere. Sure. And so, um, yeah, people just have to. I think federally they're going to want to get their hands on that here soon, and they're going to realize that okay, this industry isn't so it's, bad, and it's bringing in it's a lot of money. It's definitely hard to ignore. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, my my thing is it's um, we're on such a big roll that I'm not sure how they'd stop that if they wanted to. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? So right. Yeah. The more states become progressive with their their policies of how this is happening, I think the the more likelihood it is that if the feds wanted to change their stance, they they really do have to put the rung pretty low because I think they saw that, this is my hunch, that they couldn't just reschedule it to Schedule 2. Mm-hmm. 
uh, if they wanted to. That would that would run crossways to a lot of things that are happening in states mm -hmm. that have right. money now behind them. Industrial, mm -hmm. commercial movements. Well, that's the thing, yeah. And so I think that's about. part of why they didn't reschedule it, because that would have made a real big mess. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so if the feds do do something uh, to change its federal status, I think they're going to have to put that rung pretty far down. I don't know. I don't know where, but uh, they won't stop regulating it. Um, yeah, I don't think they have any intention of descheduling. Yeah. They want to get the M at the end of B A T F E. Yeah. Mm -hmm. M, maybe. <laughs> mm -hmm. That would be where they would park it, I suppose. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, do you see it being? What, what schedule do you see it being? What, what are we going to do with it in the end? Schedule two, <laughs> schedule three, FDA regulated. Oh. Are we? It's going to be like buying bananas, <laughs> but still monitored. Yeah, yeah that, that was a little extreme. Dude. You know, it's depends on uh, <laughs> what kind of administrations come about um, going forward in the future. I think. Um, Great. So no answer. So <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, I think best case scenario, maybe it'll get to schedule three, but. Um, in any short period of time, it's hard to imagine it getting any yeah. any better than that. Yeah. 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 So let's talk, Anthony. We don't get you on the mic very often, so let's talk about what you <laughs> want to talk about. Uh, what what what's your position on cannabis? And we we've heard your past, so we kind of heard how you got here, um, which seems like a pretty seemed like it was easy to get here. Like I, I were you always in cannabis? Um, a cannabis was always in me. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, so you do use the medicine? I do occasionally. Okay. Yeah. Uh, okay. yeah, my background in cannabis, uh, long time ago, uh, I tried out hydroponic cannabis growing, uh, when oh. I was in college in California. Yeah. Um, and we did that for a while and it was very fun and it was a clandestine thing back then. And, um... I just kind of didn't really feel like it. Honestly, I wanted to. I got interested in chemistry at that time and went back to college and really just got fascinated by all that. Um, ended up doing graduate school at the Linus Pauling Institute, where there's a huge focus there on nutritional biochemistry um, and aging and natural medicine. Um, and all of that just really fit squarely with. You know my personal interests, and um, right. so I had a lot. Of, I had a, a good time learning about biochemistry and, um, and nutritional supplementation, and how this can affect you know our genes and our path through aging. And um, as a personal hobby, I've just been interested in herbal medicine. Uh, I've you know have often just uh, grown or wild craft harvest herbs that I find in the forest because certain nice. ones I either like the flavors or they give me health benefits. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I've had this passion. Um, and I worked in industrial medical device manufacturing um, most previously to founding Canavir Research. Mm -hmm. uh, we built little FDA... Um, regulated um, assays for detecting bacterial diseases and things like this, mostly in veterinary samples. Hmm. Um, so 
I was working and had all these interests that, you know, regulatory compliance and quality assurance. Um, and it just was in the back of my mind that we, I really need to just open a, a quality assurance based cannabis analytical lab. Yeah. For sure. At that time, you know, five or six years ago, guys already wanted to know about their potency. Um, so I was starting to sort of research what machines or contraptions or assays you could do that with. Um, yeah, I just started experimenting really with friend stuff eventually a little yeah. bit. Mm-hmm. Um, just testing their stuff, like, mm-hmm. hey, hand it over. Yeah, let's see. but mm-hmm. before, you know, probably in 2012, I was thinking it's going to be much bigger than that. Uh, we're probably going to need to be looking at pesticides, residual solvent content. So I, I had this idea. Um, and then the, you know, it was just, uh, on the horizon that there was going to be a requirement for analytical testing at some point. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, I just quit my job, started this lab. <laughs> it seems, yeah. well, uh, that's easy, a pretty big step, but it was a big step. Now, was that in college? No, that was only a couple years ago. Holy smokes. Yeah. yeah. He said he was in college in the eighties. Well, uh, 90s, yeah. 90s? Yeah. Okay. So. Okay, I heard the 80s. The 80s uh, prices. 80s there, college prices. There we yeah. go. Right. 80s college prices. That's what I heard. <laughs> well, there's a lot of people that certainly appreciate you uh, starting this uh, lab, I'm sure. Uh, you know, you're doing a service to the community that's, you know, if you take it seriously, is a very good service. It's something that um, people have to rely on you for and you know, integrity, um, standards, all that stuff. So... I mean, there's a lot of people that re- are going to rely on you guys for for honest results and um, for uh, for standards that we need to know about. Because, I mean, if you think about it back in the 80s, back in the 90s, I mean, God knows what we were consuming. <laughs> I mean, oh, I know. I think about that all the time. Diazanon, you know, <laughs> oh, DDT. I don't know. I mean, Still you know, might be DDT in some oh, things, geez. depending it's on true. where it's grown. It's true. And then all this off-label stuff. So that was probably going on then, too. Yeah. You know? So yeah. there's a lot of... The tire weed. <laughs> yeah we just yeah. had this conversation yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah so the future of of cannabis is good for us then i think so uh yeah whether it's you know medicinal or or for fun mm-hmm. right yeah so do you think there's um I'll, I'll go one step further do you think there's um medicinal use in recreation because i do yeah so for instance absolutely yeah so for instance if i go home i'm tired mm-hmm. instead of drinking two beers i um, you know, take a dab or, or whatever it is, mm-hmm. smoke yes. a bowl, and that makes me a better person at that point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, these down. are stress-reducing activities that other similar activities that are um, herbal or vitamins or classical music or meditation or a shot of whiskey, all of these are Glass proven to be mm-hmm. therapeutic stress-reducing things that can uh, contribute to improved long-term health. Yeah, so recreationally, we could still have medicinal properties there, and we could still benefit from those, uh, whether we're paying taxes or not. I mean... Yeah, I don't know if, you know, future research goes into, like, what we've talked about before with the endocannabinoid system and how little we actually know about it. And so as we learn more about how these compounds interact with our bodies, I mean, we know that they influence our immune systems and we know that they influence us psychologically and on all of these different levels. Um, so it, yeah, it, it's hard to imagine that there's not 
some therapeutic um, component there, even in in recreational or adult use. Um, but uh, it's just also important to keep in mind the whole moderation thing, you know, and because of that limited amount of knowledge that we have, you know, just try not to overdo it too much. And, you know, that goes with anything. Yeah. Well, okay. So let's talk about that real quick. One thing about cannabis that I like to uh, promote, mm-hmm. uh, if you will, is the fact that it's self-regulating. So I can go out and, you know, consume as much cannabis as I, well, I wouldn't say food. That's, that's a different <laughs> not story. Edibles. Don't do edibles. <laughs> Don't do edibles. But you can, you can consume. I have had that experience happen. You can consume THC. Yeah. <laughs> you can consume that, and at some point, you're either not going to get any higher. Yeah, there's or, a plateau effect. Yeah. yeah. And also, too, you build up a, a resistance that's um, it's self-regulating. So if I don't stop for a while, I'm mm-hmm. not going to get high. And that's not really true with alcohol or other things. Mm-hmm. I if I keep drinking, I'm going to get drunker further and further. Right? Yeah. To the point of mm-hmm. either death or, uh, at least incapacitation, I guess. Right. Um, whereas cannabis, I mean, literally you're, I mean, I'm not saying you can't get there, but, uh, there is some self-regulating properties about it, which is pretty phenomenal for a medicine. You know, you can't take morphine or, right. You know what I mean? And, and have it, you know, say, okay, look, You've had so much now, I'm not going to do any more for you. Right. Without hurting you. Yeah. Um, and the, the issue there, I think, um, while that's true, you know, that it is definitely um, self-regulating in that aspect. You also I use have that ke- loosely. You also have to keep in mind, too, as that tolerance builds, you end up exposing yourself to more and more smoke without with less and less uh, Correct. benefit. Yeah. Um, and so there's there's some health issues around that and what you're being exposed to and um, that you know the whole issue of contaminants really comes into play there you know if uh, because it's really common people that have consumed cannabis for a really long time I mean they could smoke even dabs all day you know every hour and be fine psychologically um, but unless you eat it unless you eat it and then with that case you might think you're dying or something Um, yeah i I think there you know i i had a recent experience um with some edibles i uh we went to a farm in uh, cloverdale oregon uh, golden beaver Mm -hmm. and they make some very good medicine (laughs) it's very good edibles Mm -hmm. and um yeah we took a couple of cubes home and um yeah, I didn't realize that there's a fine line between, you know, one, medicine or, or seeing dragons. One, one and a half or two. I think it's going to be really interesting to do more line. research on edibles and exactly, um, you know, what is responsible for all of these different effects. Because, I mean, we know that the liver processes cannabinoids into different uh, metabolic products yeah. that you don't experience when smoking. but. I honestly think that our understanding of that is really just beginning. Um, there's such interesting work to be done on the byproducts of cannabinoids and these these different um, primary and secondary tertiary metabolic products of cannabinoids that have effects that um, we haven't really studied much. And 
I know we've been eyeing on looking into some of that when we well, have available resources. Yeah, the to reason do so. I, I brought that up was because we had talked, Jason, before about uh, the fact that you guys are trying to find ways to test that kind of stuff, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah, edibles, being able to test, you know, right. like, like how much does this brownie have? Well, I mean, you know <laughs> yeah, I mean? like that's a difficult thing and to it's, do. And what's interesting too, and Anthony might want to touch on this some, but what we've seen lately with uh, distillates, so getting uh, back into concentrates, yeah. is that distillates actually have a, um, a myriad of compounds in them that uh, are not in other typical extracts, and they're presumably um, either isomers of certain cannabinoids or. Um, slightly modified versions of cannabinoids and um, so that has really piqued our interest to try to figure out what those compounds are and what production processes are producing those because we've seen distillate products that presumably are extremely pure and you know clients expect them to come back at 90% or more cannabinoids and we're only able to quantify a fraction of them because there's a fraction there that we haven't seen before and we don't even know you know necessarily what reference standards to hunt for or if they even exist to try to identify some of these compounds um, based on what we know just about chemistry and what information does exist about constituents of cannabis and what's been found we can make some educated guesses on that stuff but it's a um, it'll be interesting to dial that in um, over the upcoming uh, well, we don't. Let's let's get down to it. We don't even know, um, like, when you uh, are combusting THC or cannabis, mm-hmm. whatever, it's changing mm-hmm. right then. Oh yeah, yeah. So I mean, th- the numbers that you're giving us are not really the numbers that we're consuming, correct? Not necessarily. Right. If you're vaping or smoking, yeah, those numbers represent that product. It's right. a standardization of that yeah. stuff, and yeah, what you get vaping and smoking is definitely up for argument well what's your yeah, opinion yeah. let's 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 you got we got like eight minutes left anthony let's let's give your final words there's on, actually on been cannabis. quite a bit of research looking at the at compounds in the smoke stream um honestly most of them have focused on um uh toxins and things like that yeah right right but presumably uh yeah thc is some of it is just volatilized and some of it is pyrolyzed. So the volatile parts are just native THC and those end up going into your lungs. But when the fire hits them, right, they turn into other products. Compounds, yeah. yeah. Nobody really knows much about those. Yeah. The reason I bring that up is because I, I see some manufacturers out there when we get to the dispensaries. There's some manufacturers that are trying to tell us, hey, you know, this is, you know, uh, uh, this is the THC before you combust it, and then after it's decarb, this is what it is. Sure, yeah, THCA versus THC. Yeah. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I don't know how accurate that is, mm-hmm. uh, but there's people that are trying mm-hmm. to put that on labels now. Definitely, I mean, and, and some of that, which would be good to know. But at the same time, do you really know? I mean, like, because same thing with edibles. Like, you know, I ate one cookie, I was fine. I ate two, I saw dragons. So. Mm-hmm. So basically, are are they are they misspeaking when they come to it? Like when they when they say that? I I, I don't misrepresenting. Know. Yeah, there is that something that you guys can really narrow down at this point, or is They're probably not misrepresenting, or at least intentionally? 
probably um, sometimes it's a little difficult to understand. Like if you haven't studied what cannabinoids are and what decarboxylation is and right. understanding also, at least in Oregon, there's a requirement to separately uh, analyze and report THCA versus THC, uh, you know, the, the decarboxylated versus the native form, same with CBD. Could that affect edibles in the future? Yeah, absolutely. Um, we always try to talk to our edible manufacturers on, on purpose about this because it seems like um, the intention of the rule is that the dose of the Delta 9 THC, mm-hmm. the so-called decarbed form, must be reported. And that makes sense because that that is what indicates psychoactivity. Right. Um, so, um, if you've used a concentrate or, a, you know, a relatively low heat process, there might be a lot of other THC in there in its acidic form, which, um, definitely is absorbed by the bloodstream, but doesn't contribute to the psychoactivity. Um, Could that, okay. So I hate to interrupt, but this is just a big question in my head. Could that affect future drug tests? Could that affect? Yes, Absolutely. You see what I'm saying? Because oh, yes. if we can mm-hmm. narrow down what's active, what's not, mm-hmm. what's affecting you mm-hmm. in the bloodstream, right. could that, I mean, could they base... If you were eating demise? an edible that had 5 or 10 milligrams of Delta 9 THC in a giant wallop right. of THC acid, yep. it's definitely possible you could fail a drug test. Right. So there is a way that we could eventually get that out so it doesn't affect a drug test or no? Depends on how sensitive, like there's the like the urinalysis screens. They look for they usually look for well, eleven nor nine carboxy THC, which is a secondary metabolite. It's and a so, certain metabolite. Yeah. So have they narrowed it down closer to like like here's the deal. We did a whole episode on um, I think it was a couple episodes ago where we brought up the whole uh, was it Washington or Oregon did a D, uh, yeah. DMV Wa- test. Washington. Oh yeah, yeah. Washington and and yeah, they found that. There was no real core. I mean, there was like if you were a heavy smoker mm-hmm. and you, you smoked a little bit, you still drove fine. But if you weren't yeah, heavy, it's so made so a, much relativity It's made it there. really challenging for. So would that help if we could narrow down the active stuff going on there? I think it, there might be some technological issues to overcome. The police are working on this. Yeah, they are, yeah. <laughs> Trust me. Yeah. And there are companies that are working <laughs> well, this on this. Well, this is a big concern. This is something that a lot of cannabis users are concerned right. about. Right, Because there's real no clear area. And right. so if you're using medicine, I, I mean, there's probably situations that you could be put in that mm-hmm. are not going to be favorable in your position, even right. though you might be okay. Right. And vice versa. Like, mm-hmm. you shouldn't be driving. But at the same time, there's these gray areas where... You know, where I can mm-hmm. be driving down the road and I'm fine because I, I smoke every day. You're over the blood limit or whatever. But, right. you know, so it, it is a concern with the listeners as far as, um, you know, what the labs can do for us in the future. What's, so. what's interesting about the, like, the metabolism of cannabinoids is like the acidic forms, um, your body metabolizes those. That carboxyl group um, is maintained on the metabolites, um, which means that... THCA will get metabolized into 11-OH-THCA, and then that gets metabolized into 11-OR-9-carboxy-THCA. Um, so yeah, there, there could be ways technologically to eventually be able to target specifically you know, these metabolites that are very, very specific to THC met- 
metabolization or you know metabolism and not um, in, not including those non psychoactive cannabinoids. Um, but I think right now technologically, I think those get lumped together. Probably. Um, well, and it's it's right now. I understand it. It's a um, it's a subjective thing. I mean, the police are judging whether you can drive or not, and then basing that decision mm-hmm. on that. And I mean, I know they have trained professionals, but that's that's what we're going off of right, right. now is whether I think you're high or not, I guess. Mm-hmm. But hopefully we see advances in that. And Anthony, I know, I know you're busy. Um, I know you're um, limited time. We're at about 50 minutes. Actually, no, almost an hour. So is there anything you want to add before we cut you off and... No, no I, this has been really interesting. I'd, I'd like to come back and talk about more stuff. Oh, that'd right? be great, brother. That'd, that'd be, be great. Awesome. We'd love to have you back. That's what I'm saying. We have so much to talk about, so much to share, and we appreciate it. Um, we appreciate your info. Uh, Jason, I know yeah. you're good at this, so why don't you plug uh, sure. Kenavir and plug your guys' education real quick yep. for Anthony. And if you want to add anything, Anthony, let's do that real quick. Yeah, um, so as far as our educational stuff, our last seminar is coming up in October. Um, I believe it's October 18th. It's going to be a big one. Um, it's about mushrooms. That's right. Uh, perfect in time with the rains that are coming in uh, to this area. Maybe I'll try and make that one. So um, it'll be it'll be a break from our typical discussions about um, herbs and plant but medicine and I'll cannabis. I'll tell you, you can relate it to the dirt soil or the soil, the, the living soil. Like, yes, I mean, yes, yeah. Yeah, I know that some of the best pictures I see from cannabis is stuff that's got mushrooms growing. Right. Out of it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it's, there is some truth there, and there's some stuff we can share with that. Yeah, it'll be a really fun talk. Um, basically, we'll be covering um, the common medicinal compounds um, featured in mushrooms, um, kind of just commonly because you always hear about medicinal mushrooms and um, all kinds of different compounds, polysaccharides and beta glucans, all this stuff. And so we'll talk about, break it down into these classes of compounds that are common to mushrooms. So like, why are they medicinal? And then we'll talk about the toxic stuff. Cause we know that some mushrooms will kill you and some are really sneaky about how they'll kill you. Some take like two weeks before they'll kill you. And, um, okay. This is something we need to talk about. Yeah. <laughs> so, so we'll also talk about those kinds of compounds as well, as well as the, kind of gray area compounds, which would be, you know, like psilocybin, uh, so the uh, magic mushrooms, psychedelic Okay, and I just have to mention, again, I apologize for interrupting, but I just have to mention that there are studies going on in California right now, Southern California, on psilocybin being able to help depression. Yeah. um, Drug... Drug addiction. Yeah, there's actually a, um, a alcoholism. Yeah, there's a there's a good bit of data um, being built up. There's a lot of data that if we can control this, that there might this might be a use for bad bad things. Yeah, and we'll know? we'll go into some of those studies and that'd be um, briefly. Yeah, um, you know the talk is much more broader than than just psychedelic sure. mushrooms, yeah. but we you know we'll definitely touch on some of that. And, no, yeah, it's, and um, and then the the last part of the talk will. Um, be sort of an introduction to uh, mushrooms that you'd be likely to find, you know, out in the areas around here, and how to how to recognize them with um, relative high level of confidence. Yeah, yeah we'll talk so about morels and yeah. chanterelles and oyster yeah. mushrooms. So you can and, eat them, right. and two weeks later right. you will. <laughs> right. Um, so it'll be a really fascinating talk. I, I, me particularly, am very, very much fascinated with mycology. Um, it's a very strong. Um, 
a passion of mine. Um, definitely, I'm interested in in botany, but mycology just as much, if not more. Well, and with mycology, it, forgive me if because I, I, I'm not an expert by any means, but um, isn't that like they've shown that that's how like whole plant systems are communicating? Like, isn't I'm, that the in, whole... in some in some situations? Yes, there's some I mean, interesting like there's things going on. Information changing. Yes, yeah, yeah or, and, and or changes of information between those right yes. plants and trees. And, and stuff. there's there's some almost um, a synapse. Yeah, it's almost amazing. a brain. Yeah, it's and there's amazing. And they've got that crazy. one that's the biggest, like the biggest. In Oregon, the yeah. biggest mycelial mat in the world. It's amazing. Yeah. And um, yeah, there's even evidence that you know the only reason plants made it out of the water onto land is because of fungi and that's these um, interactions. And so, yeah, we'll touch on all of that. So that's coming up in October. Um, same time, same place. Room and you can find that online. Online, yep. KinnevereResearch.com yep. slash seminars. Um, it's and, in and room 319. Just so everybody knows, you can go right on there. There's tabs. If you just go right on your phone, you can go right to KinnevereResearch.com. Yep, yep. And you can scroll right down. You can see seminars. You can see any of the education you're offering. It's great stuff. Yeah. Great stuff. Um, and we try to keep that updated as best we can. Yep. Um, lately, we've been slightly struggling because we've had so much going on. There's a lot going on. Um, but, um, yeah, so that's our last one of the season. Okay. So I encourage people to make now it up to you're still doing the paid ones, though, right? Yeah, the, we'll the continue ones. to do the paid okay. ones. Now, does that um, go through the whole season? So those, we don't have a date for our next um, Thin Layer Chromatography Workshop, but we'll be posting that on the website soon. Um, so basically, that's a. Um, do you want actually, Anthony? Do you want to yeah, talk about you, the workshop because yeah. you're the one that teaches them? Uh, I do teach the thin layer chromatography workshop. It's and a I fun, think this is a big thing. quick, relatively easy way uh, to order essentially a kit from the internet and pretty accurately assess the potency of your cannabis. I think uh, that's huge. Mm-hmm. I've got a lot of growers that are. Does it require a machine or anything really expensive? And um, as just. As some reading glasses yeah. and uh, dexterous fingers. Yeah, nice. and as we move into and some cannabis and some cannabis. <laughs> oh, yeah, that, as we move into more, you know, this more tightly regulated um, testing scenario, and you know, pricing's going to change, and it'll. I think it'll be a good research resource for people that want just very simple potency tests to get some idea of what they're working with, without having to invest a lot of money. In sophisticated lab testing, um, you know, it generally provides the information that they're looking for. Yeah, yeah I think there's a lot of people that uh, would be interested yeah. and, and benefit from that. I, I know I would. And so generally we try to do those every month. Um, we'll be picking a date. Um, we're trying to figure out what our workload will be for harvest season before we announce <laughs> any more dates for the workshops. Right. Um, but uh, just uh, check out the website and uh, that'll be updated soon with more information about that. Or just give us a call and we can talk to you um, uh, personally about otherwise about the, dates. yeah and otherwise the uh, public is it's an open door yeah public is welcome you just growers. have to yeah you just have to sign up um, the, we keep the classes relatively small we try to limit it to between five and ten people sure um, but the testing too is oh yeah the testing yeah. yes and yeah. I think that's the most important is mm-hmm. I don't think that everybody realizes that you guys are open to yeah, and you know who, whoever wants to come in and test, basically, right? I mean, if you're a grower and you're legal and you want to come in and you sure, yeah, you yeah. know that's even if you're just yeah, someone that <laughs> a lot of people do it for fun. I think yeah, I, I it's think it's be. huge. Well, and here's the deal, guys. I mean, like just being in this first year, we we've met a lot of growers that are you know significant mm-hmm. growers that would benefit from this kind of 
testing and it's a good start you know to standardize your tinctures or to pick your cbd producers out of your seed um, babies um things like that yeah well not only that but if you really want to be a serious medical grower Mm -hmm. now you can yeah Yeah. without having to be a tier two or whatever you can Mm -hmm. be a medical grower grow your Mm -hmm. six plants whatever get it tested know what you got in there know if your water's bad no you know whatever it is yeah we do um you know besides all of the regulatory testing we do all of our services are available a la carte for informational use only um and there are ways that you know um we have the ability to make uh, some of the testing more accessible to people that just want information and don't intend to use it for any regulatory purpose Um, that's a good point there are ways that and that's the thing well it can be very beneficial to those people because it's an fyi but it's a big FYI. Yeah. 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 And so, yeah, it's important that people realize that we are a resource on that level and that it's it's not just a, you know, we're not just a, we're not a regulatory agency. We're not, you know, we're accredited and licensed, but we're not, you know, we don't work for regulatory bodies and, you know, we work with the public and any of the services we offer, we can do um, in a non-regulatory fashion very easily. All we have to do is on your test report it just says in big bold red at the top you know informational use only but um, yeah so there's all kinds of things we can work out for people if they really need to know what's going sure. on and uh, nice. other than that um, those are most of the research.com research.com those are most of our events and other than that I just want people to be ready for uh, next week yeah. the uh, new testing rules so like we said for flower um, for flower the testing requirements are going to be not only potency and pesticides, but water activity and moisture content um, for extracts and concentrates. It's going to be potency, pesticides, residual solvents, unless you don't use solvents in your production method. Um, it's like CO2? or um, It will like dry sifted oh, hash and, I see. and stuff oh, like okay. that. Yeah. Um, and then for infused products, um, you know, the feedstock will have to be tested as it comes through for whatever requirements, and then the final product will be tested for potency. Um, other than that, um, there is another requirement. Um, things can actually fail potency testing um, starting next week. Well, I think that's a big one that people are worried about um, is so they're th- going to, you know, have something that is too strong <laughs> or... Um, or fails. Right. I mean, here's so there, the deal. I mean, if, if it, it doesn't matter if it fails, it fails, right? I mean, it's and, and it there's depends. a lot of sweat going on there when people are trying to, you know, this is a big year. Right. It is. And it's harvest season. And so. And they're counting on you guys. For flower, for no flower, you can't fail potency. <laughs> but for everything else, um, there are not only concentration limits set forth by the, by the state for both. There are different concentration limits for medical and, and recreational. Um and so if you exceed those limits in extracts, concentrates, or infused products, then it fails potency. But also there's another requirement that it seems like a lot of people aren't aware of that I want them to be aware of in that um, for everything but flour, we basically have to run two potencies and we have to ensure that the results come out relatively close to one another. And if they fall outside of, I think it's a 30% uh, difference, um, then it will fail potency as well. And so that's sort of looking for homogeneity issues in in products. And so, 
This is where quality assurance and quality control and production processes becomes critical. And um, you're talking about the growers, right? Uh, like, yeah. Well, well, well primarily produ uh, extract producers yeah. and okay. edible yeah. processors. Yeah, processors. Yeah. yeah. Got to be some. Dabs need to be homogenous. They need to be mixed. Stirred. Yeah, they need to be mixed and stirred. So, in other words, if you guys test one part and it's not the same as the other part, it, it could fail. It could fail. If it's gotcha. if it's a far it enough, to match if it's a big all enough the way across the board. And um, okay. folks will have the ability to do what are called process validations where they do some very extensive testing where basically we come through and take 20 samples of a batch and do a big statistical analysis on everything um, and give them data they can send to the state that says, look, our here are our SOPs, here is our process, look how standardized everything is, look how homogeneous it all is. And then the state could um, uh, stamp a waiver that gets them out of certain um, uh, testing requirements and certain uh, sampling requirements as well, so they don't have to give up as much product during sampling as well. Um, yeah, so some of those changes, sampling, we're going to be taking more than people are, are used to. It's yeah, half, half a percent. They weren't of, happy about that. But, no, yeah, yeah, half a percent of the um, harvest lot. Um, the sampling rules are online on Orlap's website, so if you just Google Orlap uh, cannabis, uh, you can get to the cannabis specific page on Orlap's website and you okay. can actually look at the sampling SOPs there and see how much we're going to have to take if it's flour, if it's concentrate, if it's an infused product so that people can get ready for that. And, um, and then just read OAR 333-007 and get ready and look at the, there's a section in there about how to waive testing and sampling requirements even without process validations. And so it's important for companies to plan ahead and develop strategies um, so that they're not overwhelmed with the uh, changes that are coming up. Mm -hmm. And we're going to do our best to you know, help people as much as we can with the, going through that adjustment, too. Well, we definitely appreciate that, guys. And I think I've taken up definitely too much of your time already. <laughs> I appreciate you having us but, back. Uh, yeah. But Jason, as always, we appreciate you, brother um, and sir. Uh, Anthony, we appreciate you coming on and uh, sharing some of that uh, genius knowledge. <laughs> and we, yeah, we'd certainly love to have you on uh, again. Um, but we know you're busy, so we appreciate your time. Yeah, and, great. Uh, Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Yeah. And is there anything you need to add? Uh, I look forward to getting invited back. Hey, All right. That's right. All right. Excellent. So we appreciate you guys. Shout out to Germany. Shout out to Slovenia. Shout out to all the people that listen to us because of you guys. All right, so that was our interview, which uh, they did, like I said, they shared a bunch of information about October 1st. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, Anthony got uh, a few good things that we really enjoyed. Mm -hmm. So we appreciate that interview, guys. And uh, I hope you guys enjoyed it. Um, and then we're going to follow up with Anthony, of course, with Jason. We'll catch him at the, the 18th. Oh, yes, yeah. yes. And uh, we just want to really quickly plug the next episode, uh, episode 17, that will be with Mongo Ranch, and yep. we had a hell of a time with them. Uh, they have a great, beautiful farm, and you know we'll go all into that later. But uh, but just look for episode seventeen coming right out after this. We're we're trying to release stuff quicker and get a couple extra things out there. We're working on it. We are, and so we'll have a couple coming out real quick here. So look for that coming up next. And uh, we thank you. Uh, we appreciate you, listeners, and uh, we will talk to you soon. All Oregon right. love. Oregon love.